Welcome to the Trigonometry Show, the show for practical shooters. Pistol, shotgun or rifle, bolt or semi-auto. If it has a trigger, we probably enjoy shooting and talking about them. I'm your host Kerry, and this show features regular guests talking about competitions and courses, reloading and unloading, tips, tricks and reviews, all focused around practical shooting in New Zealand. Many thanks to all our supporters and sponsors that help this show exist, but an extra special thanks to the Gear Locker, where you can find long range shooting and reloading accessories that you won't find anywhere else in New Zealand. Check them out at gearlocker.nz and make sure you tell them that we sent you. Oh yeah, and if halfway through this we have like a little two-year-old come running in, <laughs> I'll just pause, she'll be... I can't make any claims for the dog in the next yard over here. Oh, <laughs> good, man. Turn the waterfall off in the back so it'd be a little bit quieter. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd have running water in the background. Everybody would run off to the toilet every other minute while listening to the video. Yeah, yeah. I'm picking <laughs> this as the house, or is this work where you have a running... Uh, well, I work from home. Right, so, okay, okay. Yeah, an internet-based business, I crunch numbers and man the website from the back end from my house, so... Yeah, I wake up. I come out here. I feed the fish in the morning. Have my coffee. Check emails. You know, maybe do a little work in the garage or something. Go back in. Do more number crunching. Populate things on the website. Go back and forth with vendors. And yeah. So you're you're pretty much short action precision now. Is the full time job? Yeah, that's my full time job. Yep. My partner does a, a day job as well. Uh, since he's got a, a family, he's got a wife and a kid, so he's got a little bit more overhead. Yeah, I have no overhead like that, so it's a little bit easier for me. Uh, plus, I don't wish to work that much. <laughs> I've, I've, I've run I've run a, a, a car shop for sixteen plus years, where I worked ten plus hour days every you know all week long, and yeah, I had so uh, I still work a lot, but. It's much nicer right, just to get to work out of home. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So um, might as well go back right to the beginning because I've just realized. Uh, Rich Cronister from Short Action Precision, hello. Hello. <laughs> hello um, we thought, yeah, this would be, with me doing the interviews and stuff, I thought, yes, it was time for us to kind of reach out and talk to some of you guys over there in the States because the reality is most of the gear that we've got down here for shooting is coming from the States. Most of the media and information that we're, watching and listening and learning and reading from is coming from the states so for the home for most of the competitive shooting sports which is certainly what precision shooter side of things has become for here in new zealand um it all comes from over from you guys so i thought it was time to actually contact and have a talk to you so um what are we we're 9 a.m over the morning in the morning over there i'm sorry come again there's yep. a plane <laughs> nine in the morning over there yeah, uh, let's see. Yeah, about 9.20 in the morning, yeah. Bit after, all right. So, and we're, uh, yeah, just a bit after four over here, so of the day in front of you. So, I'm ringing from yeah. the future. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the short action precision, like we were just saying, it's sort of, it's taken over as your full job. How how did you get going into it, basically? Where, where's, the, where's the start of short action precision? Well, uh, the start of Short Action Precision originally originated with uh, my partner, Nathan Webner. He, uh, he's been a shooter in the sport for probably a, a 
about two years longer than I have. Uh, I've been in just a little over five. He's, you know, closer to seven-ish. Um, I met him at a, the first rifle match I ever went to, and he was just one of those shooters who was very supportive, showed you uh, the tips, showed you how to get your gear straight, and he's always been that type of person, always helpful. He started the business originally because he loved shooting, and that's mm. the only reason why he started the business. He's not a businessman. He's a shooter who loves the sport. And that's yeah. the beauty of our company. Uh, there's some guys who just crunch numbers as far as, you know, what can we make on this? Mm-hmm. That's never been our, our motive. We love to shoot this sport. We started a company because we wanted to not only be able to have all the products accessible for the sport to ourselves and our friends and other shooters, but to be able to develop some things that weren't really in the sport yet to yeah. address some like our two-rounder and our sling and pretty much everything we come out with, we always like to have some type of uh, involvement based on our feedback from the sport. That's why we're continuing, uh, you know, we, we compete at the events both locally and nationally. Uh, we go and help out uh, a sponsor, of course, and we go and help uh, uh, be range officers at these events at times. Mm. We're going to the season finale this year to help out. You know, it's just, it's our lives. It's our passion. So it makes for a great business. Yeah. So the uh, you mentioned the sport, and I think for, I mean, it would be, I'm obviously spending a lot of time online and checking videos and checking out what's going over there, but for a lot of people um, probably listening to this interview, they may not even have an idea what the PRS as a series is. We, we have in New Zealand, we have um, what would be called field shooting or field steel. Uh, it's probably the closest thing when you get up off a range, go up into um, farms or paddocks and stuff, put up the gongs and put up the steel and, and shoot at them. Um, you know, and when we, there's a few and a growing amount of field competitions in New Zealand where you're going from station to station. Um, and at the at the other side, which we talked about, we've got a growing uh, three-gun and multi-gun and your Ipsic pistol stuff, which is the, the ti- I mean by the timing side of things. Um, yeah. But there's not much down here in New Zealand at the moment that reduces what seems to reduce that time, the amount of time you have to shoot a stage like the PRS. The PRS seems to be a lot um, uh, quicker, more intense, I think. But... Can you just, from somebody who's probably never seen a PRS match, explain, try and explain kind of what a PRS match would look like, or precision rifle series um, and that style of shooting? Yeah, um, at a PRS match or a precision rifle series match, which is the the national series for the U.S., we're branching out. They just had a match in Canada and one in uh, South Africa as well. So it seems to be growing internationally, which is really cool. Uh, but the events are a lot of fun. Uh, we go there with uh, shooters from all around the country or even from outside of the country. We had uh, some good friends who have come down from Canada. Um, and we attend the event. We get there for check-in day the day before, uh, which should be a Friday typically. We sign in, sign our safety waivers, make sure everybody's clear on the rules. You know, we want to make sure it's a safe event. That's always number one. We want to make sure everybody goes home just the way they came. Uh, then you could check your zero, uh, make sure at a hundred yards or a hundred meters that your zero is, is correct after you're, you know, transporting your rifle and equipment. Uh, then some matches will allow you to shoot at steel targets that could be out at range, maybe a thousand yards or more, just depending. Uh, so then you can even true your velocity or on your chronograph and check your, all that and get it straight before the match. They give you the, the, uh, the rules and a booklet 
which is going to tell you what they call your course of fire, which page by page uh, tells you what you're going to do for the whole match. So it's typically broken into two days for these matches. Mm -hmm. So you have a day one, day two uh, format. And you'll go through and you'll do maybe eight to 10 to 12 stages, give or take, uh, in that day uh, between when you get there in the morning at check-in, maybe 7 a.m. and when you leave. And it could be some matches run very quickly and you'll get done by maybe 1 p.m. and some run a little bit later in the afternoon, depending on how many shooters they're trying to get through uh, the whole process. Generally, we'll have around 100 shooters, give or take, to a PRS match. Uh, but wow. they've gone high as over 200 on some, which is yep. quite the juggling act. Yeah. Uh, break the groups down into 10 or so shooters. They call them squads, so it's easier to rotate around uh, the shooting facility. So you'll have different stations set up uh, with a, a tent, uh, guys sitting underneath there with their, their uh, spotting glass, their, their scopes to see the targets at range. Uh, there'll be some official guy presenting what you're supposed to do at this portion of the match. Uh, and then he'll describe the whole thing. Make sure you identify all the targets in the field, however many there may be. Um, <clears throat> everybody's clear on what the rules are for this particular stage. You might have a prop you have to shoot off of. Uh, might be some some hay bales. It might be a rock formation. It might be just on your belly on the ground prone. Uh, you may have preparation for that where you get to check it out ahead of time. They may tell you you can't touch anything and you just have to figure it out in your head and just go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the one thing that's guaranteed, it's always under time. <clears throat> it could be 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 120 seconds. It just depends on the match, depends on what they're trying to achieve in that. Yeah. Uh, generally, it's always fun if you have enough time to shoot your targets, but usually <laughs> they try to time it so uh, it's not a, a giveaway. Yeah. Um, the factor of, of pushing yourself to try to get all those targets is another mental factor, which you, you can make or break you. Yeah. Uh, a lot of fun. You once the timer goes, uh, you're just just you. There's nobody who can coach you. Nobody can give you corrections. So if you shoot the target and you forgot to dial your correct elevation, nobody can you know call out you know 1.2 mils up. That's right. a no no. Yep. The wind call. You, they can't say oh he's just missing off the left side. Technically that's a no no as well. So it's really upon you to be a a good shot squeeze that shot off correctly and spot that miss if you do and then bring your own correction mm. um, and it's a lot of fun mm. after you shoot that stage after your 120 seconds on the clock or so to speak once the beep goes and they tell you to unload make your rifle safe walk away that's fine then you can talk with your friends discuss yep. whether your tactic worked or whether it was a complete <laughs> flop and then your buddy can try the same and you generally rotate who goes first throughout the day so it's fair um, and it's a lot of fun the camaraderie is astounding in that mm. sport um, you get grouped together, as I said, in squads. So maybe you're squatted with all your buddies, all your mates. Maybe you're squatted with a bunch of guys you never met in your life. And they're both great because mm. you meet a lot of people. You get to, you know, a lot of friendly faces and everybody's helpful. You know, you, you got people you never met before helping picking up your empty brass. Uh, hey, can I borrow a bag or something? You know, it's a, it's a really great sport for that. I think that's the thing that um, for people uh, who haven't got involved, say the the guys who are primarily hunting and have never got involved in any of the the competitive shooting sports, it is exactly as you describe. It's we're all there for the same reason. So suddenly you're surrounded by guys who are as keen on shooting as you are and keen to help out. And here at the moment, while the like I say the field shooting is sort of in its infancy, we mm -hmm. we haven't kind of 
in certain competitions we have, but on the whole, you're going to have a guy spotting behind you, probably helping you out, probably giving you some calls and stuff because we want to make sure guys are getting on target and learning. And, and then as, a, as that, we get more people in shooting, then we can kind of bring those time constraints down and, and it can all go quiet while the guy is shooting. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've learned so much from just being there and having a guy who's a much more skilled shooter spotting for you and going, yep, this is why you missed. This is how you get back on there. Um, so, yeah, another step on is then, yeah, having to spot your own impacts and, and make all those adjustments yourself. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's working with somebody who's hopefully even a better shooter, at least mm. a good spotter. Um, yep definitely helps you out um many times they can see things just right in front of them like what you do as far as flinching or other things you might be doing to put some kind of weird uh twist or english on the gun so to speak when you're pulling the trigger yep uh but one thing that we do that differentiates at say a local match level so when we have a local rifle club um our rules are a little bit different than the professional series rules although very safety everything is 100 percent the same uh, but when it comes down to things like making calls, a lot of the clubs will do modified rules, especially for new shooters, mm. and specifically encourage the guys to make calls for the new shooters to get them to get on target. So it's more rewarding for them, and they build as a shooter. The guys who are the old pros who show up, because we have seasoned professional shooters who show up to local matches as yep. well, because they're the local guys, and they get no help. <laughs> <laughs> do their best to help out and it, we always do you know there's yeah. always it's the pleasure uh seeing somebody who's a new shooter grow you know you, you met them a year ago and now they're really getting into it now they're really getting better and you know it, it's very rewarding so do you have a uh hunting background or you're a hunter as well because here we find a lot of the guys doing the field shooting are probably hunters first and then uh, shooting the field a bit and I mean I'm always encouraging any hunters to get out and learn how to shoot better for obvious reasons and for safety reasons and for just handling a firearm but how about yourself is it something you get out and hunt as well well uh not on any great level my background in my youth uh, I grew up in uh, New Jersey which is a very populated state yep. just in New York um the hunting laws in that state are extremely prohibitive. There is no rifles allowed for hunting whatsoever of oh. any caliber. Okay. Yep. Only and three, three, three rounds only, and that's it. So they hunt deer with slugs or bow and arrow, and that's the only hunting that they have in that state. Wow. Uh, my family wasn't big on it, so it wasn't something I grew up on. Uh, although nowadays, uh, just protecting the old fish pond out here, I have a lot of. Uh, wildlife that finds its way into the city uh i'm constantly on the prowl for raccoons in the middle of the night uh but, but that's more just protection but yeah I, I take down raccoons in the backyard with the air rifle on the, on the regular i had a pack of the other night it's it's it can be a bit much they love the fish yeah uh but with the rifle series you're 100 percent correct uh, so many of the guys come from the hunting background first that's where their interest was maybe their father took them hunting when they were a child they got their first bolt action rifle that's where the passion for that style of shooting came from and i know for a fact that the gentlemen who originated the precision rifle series are all hunters uh, most of them out of the state of texas um and, you know, hunting was always imperative. Uh, that's a huge part of their life. The original rifle series revolved its schedule around hunting season. So the rifle series was finished when hunting season started. Right. Okay. Yep. These guys are all practical shooters from all around the country. And so many of them are hunters who 
the skills that they have cross over. So with the rifle series, really one of the fortes is not just having an accurate rifle, not just knowing how to, you know, squeeze the trigger correctly. Uh, it's it really comes down to building a uh, a quick improvised position, mm-hmm. and that's what what the the guys who are truly uh, 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 the best at the sport are doing so they can have in their head they look at this rock formation and they say okay this is what i'm going to do you know 60 seconds here we go beep and they have in their head i'm going to have the bipod at this length or i'm not going to use the bipod at all i'm going to put my pack on here and i'm going to put the rifle into the pack or i'm going to squeeze this pillow in the back or i'm going to use whatever you know and they have in their head a game plan and they get into these positions very solid to get these precision shots in seconds and that's what uh, also translates into the hunting where maybe you're stalking something up and over a hill you may may not have more than a 30 second window to be able to have a good shot on whatever you're shooting for that day so Mm -hmm. again the the crossover where you know you have in your head i'm going to build the solid position i know the solid position i feel rock steady and i take that shot and what piece of steel or you know something you're going to bring home and put in the, the the meat freezer you know it's the same yep yep agreed and i think that's the the thing there's so much crossover for it so it's one of those great sports that can appeal to the the practical guys from a hunting side of things or even for the guys who aren't hunting and have just got an interest in shooting and seeing how far they can send a uh, how far they can hit a bit of steel out into that distance as well um sure. So yeah, like I say, it's we we don't have quite the PRS style here, but you can kind of see it, it coming and and forming as well. So um, back to the short action precision. So you were you were shooting the PRS series before you were getting into the joined up and and started the company. What's the yeah, time frame uh, there? I was already uh, shooting both local events and within the the national PRS yep. series. Uh, before my involvement with short action yeah Ethan originated the company and uh, upon the company just growing and growing um, he needed some additional uh, help getting things organized yeah I came from a more business background I was running a custom shop for you know quite some time so I had just recently closed that business down and so he wanted me to come on board and help him get everything straight and so I came on, we, we rebuilt the website, we brought in a lot of, of products that we're using in the sport, uh, we revamped our products, working on new products, it's just been a, a great involvement together. Mm-hmm. So what was for your guys, uh, for you guys, what was your first product that you bought out of, of your own? Was it the bags or the two-rounder or? Two-round holder. Two-round holder, yep. Third rounder, it's still our number one uh, seller. Yeah. Uh, it's, we like to say it's the, the most popular accessory in the whole rifle series. Mm. Uh, nine out of 10 guys, and that may be a low number, are running our two-rounder. Yeah. Uh, nine out of 10 guys don't run the same brand of anything. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so agreed. There's going to be favorites between brands of barrels, actions, you name it. I mean, there's, but with our product, it's, it's neat. Admittedly, it's a very inexpensive product. It'd be mm-hmm. great if we're selling, you know, million-dollar Bentleys that many. But <laughs> you know, it is what it is, and it's a handy product. I know that we sell them to uh, competition shooters. We sell a lot to hunters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've gotten them to our, to guys within our military. Um, they they have great applications, no matter 
where you're at. Uh, just the fact that you have that bullet there to grab out, stick it in and go when you have a failure or just run out of rounds. It's, yeah. it's, it's key. I've actually, hang on a sec, I've got, for the guys who haven't, don't know what we're talking about. Uh, oh, will I get it with a light? That's it there, two rounder. Congrats. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Put some goodies in there just to show off, but yeah. Yep. It's right next to the ejection port. Yep. It's not Velcro's right on. Simple device, but it's right it's, there. I mean, it's like you say, you just, if you look at any photos of the, the PRS guys or even just a lot of hunters or anyone who seems to be using uh, bolt action and anything where they need the speed, there's going to be a two rounder on the side of it in a photo. It, it's quite yep. incredible how they're just well, everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Run out of if you run out of rounds ever or ever had a feed problem, yep. then you're going to come in handy. And yep. if you've been rifle enough, it happens. Well, I think it's one of those things. It's just such a it's a simple idea, but yeah, as as you say, it's just so practical. And the yep. few guys I've had who have looked at it and said, "Well, why would you want that on there?" I'm like, "Well, you, if you're asking that, you obviously don't need it on there. Um, but if you do, you've had either a, a stage where you did, or you just found yourself like a jam or something. Yes, sure. suddenly it's like, oh, that's very, very handy. Yeah, if you've ever had some some uh, debris in your magazine, or maybe yep. you have an in magazine, and now the rounds are stuck in there and they're not coming up. Yep. Uh, uh, you know, maybe you have an internal magazine. You only have four rounds to begin with, and mm. Uh, maybe you shot them all or didn't load as many as you thought. Uh, it's all happened to me. <laughs> yep, yep. But I, I mean, it's the same thing. I know I've, I'm I'm selling them to guys who are using them that probably on, on range guns that would never go hunting and hunting rifles that would, you know, um, uh, yeah, both, everyone will love them. So, so yeah, so that's uh, first product, most popular. And then, then, what, then what got added in after that? The positional sling. Okay. Uh, yep. Sling. Yep. Uh, it as a as an evolution of the sport. Uh, we found that there was a few companies that were quality companies making rifle slings, and they were good. You know, they weren't bad slings, but they all had a little something that wasn't quite right for what we wanted. Mm. Uh, some of them didn't adjust correctly as far as getting into a quick position. Others, if we're using it in a positional sense, meaning in a kneeling shot where we're uh, supporting the rifle like so, where it wasn't really uh, tying into the cuff well, uh, yep. like a flip on some. Others, the cuff, you it took a long time to get into or you had to leave it on your arm. And we just found all those solutions just to be a little lacking. Mm. So we came up with a different type of adjustable sling with a cuff in it. Um, and with that, our cuff is more like a noose. So as you pull away, it tightens up and stays tight as compared to any other cuff on the market. So that's the one thing that ours is quite different than you know any of the others. Uh, it will not slip. We had one gentleman who complained that his, he lost circulation. And we said, well, did you keep it on for a few minutes? It, it is a tourniquet if you pull it hard enough. Um, but it does have a, a quick release right on the arm. Yeah. So it comes off so you can get and go uh, in the rifle series they'll they'll p potentially have you do something like uh, when the timer starts take four shots from a kneeling position and then get up and move and then go shoot off of this over here mm. well if you're tied up in a sling and it's not going to be quite so handy so in that case you do your quick release the sling is still solid so you can even 
put it over your shoulder and go. Uh, it worked out rather well. So it's been a good seller for us. Uh, a lot of guys really enjoy it in competition, uh, especially the guys looking for that type of sling, doing that type of shot. Mm. I mean, admittedly, it's something I haven't shot a lot with, and it's it's just something I'm still learning and need to get out um, to the range and just, just practice those different positional stuff with the sling. Um, you certainly... It seems to be in New Zealand you have the old school uh, hunters who will use a sling and you have the military guys who obviously are using the slings. Um, but yeah, with again, watching those videos of the PRS guys in that positional and getting in and out and just using it as an additional um, support on your barricades or all sorts of stuff, there's just so many more uses you, you suddenly realise for that sling. There are definitely more uses for it. So, uh, yeah, the guys are using it to stabilize it in, in a variety of positions, not just your conventional. We started it from your conventional yep. uh, kneeling type of position, but we found in the evolution that guys are using it on things like barricades where they're pulling off to the side to, to lock it in yep. uh, in a spot to get a more stable shot. Because, again, they're trying to get a shot off of, of whatever they're shooting out at distance and without moving the rifle too much so they can see that shot come in mm -hmm. so they can at a wind call adjustment if they need to well yeah. that's that extra but yeah it's it's breaking the shot but then it's also being able to stay on there and like you say seeing where it impacts so you can then adjust and and correct um and yeah that's what most people don't don't realize that's the second part which is equally important as that stable position when you actually pull the trigger oh yeah now uh uh a guy who's a, a ex special forces military sniper who was one of the uh, one of the group that I've trained with uh, just in the sport and learning to be a better marksman. Mm. One of his mantras is, you know, you can be a great shot and get that first round hit, and you're a great shot. But a true, you know, a true sniper, in his opinion, or a true, you know, excellent marksman, takes the shot and within five seconds can see whatever his adjustment was as far as his wing call and bring up a follow-up shot with an impact. Mm. So that's real marksman. Yep. So having that ability to be square behind your rifle, pull the trigger uh, correctly, not flinch, not blink, get that, you know, get that uh, report back from where that shot came in, and you know, as as you know, one of the the teachers in this business, Jacob Bynum, says, "Believe the bullet mm -hmm. where that bullet comes in doesn't lie." So, yeah. So you did your part. Now it's time to do the second part and and make use that reticle that you have that you paid the money for. And, <laughs> and yeah. It was a it was a good day. I kind of realized the truth of that, and I was watching another guy who had taken a shot, had missed, and obviously he didn't feel that the shot had married up to what his kestrel was saying oh. and you could see him trying to work the kestrel to match the miss that he had seen and eventually i said you you saw where it hit yes and your reticle yes well then just adjust in there and put the next shot down and that's yep. after that i went oh of course so instead of going well why didn't that hit so well i saw where it hit i just shift pull the next oh look at that um not so overthinking it there is not a logical answer yeah sometimes you 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 don't always have the assurance of a logical answer with ballistics. You can have a Kestrel, which is the best in the market. You can have applied ballistics, Brian Litz, the best, 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 everything the best. But what you don't know is exactly the swirl of those winds, the up currents, the down drafts, all this other things that can affect that ballistics, uh, where 
that one shot at distance you're shooting at a thousand meters for some reason is coming in really low but all the other shots are great why well you didn't know that there's a wind swirling around pushing something and you know now you're banging your head against the wall instead of just saying well the bullet said this i'm gonna do that yep Yep. and it's faster that's the other crazy thing it's faster because you don't have to get up off the rifle yeah yeah (laughs) well you know the we've been doing that in hunting since before there was ever a, a, yep. a telescopic sight, you know, they call it Kentucky windage here. So yep. this means, you know, even with a normal notch sight, the guy saw it came, came a foot in off to the side. He's going to hold a foot off to the right and just wing that shot. So mm. <laughs> I think it's the thing, though. We love to sometimes make things more complicated than they need to be and then have to unwind that and go, oh, yeah, right, fundamentals. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's a combination of both, and that's part of the appeal. You know, there is the mathematics to it, mm. you know, the ballistics to it. But once you've got all that down, sometimes you got to just kind of uncork your brain and just, you know, relinquish to what the truth of that bullet is telling you. And you've done everything in your power to, you know, double check that everything was correct. Now believe that bullet and do exactly what it told you. Mm. So. Mm. So uh, we covered off the two-rounder, covered off the sling. Uh, was it the bags that were next? Oh, sure. Yeah. Because sure. uh, so, from what bags. I've seen, they're pretty unique. They are pretty, you know, just the, the design and the materials of them. Well, we wanted to address what we wanted in the market again from competition. Um, yeah, a lot of guys like a lighter weight bag. Uh, in our style of competition and we're not always running around but when you do uh, you don't want to be carrying too much and some guys you know well you always pack all your gear for the day anyway at these competitions you're carrying a backpack with all your gear from station to station so again people don't want to be weighed down and when it comes to military or hunters well that's tenfold more important where every ounce counts Uh, so in our market there was uh, some pre-existing bags which were using a lightweight fill but they had their downfalls and some of them weren't just really readily available they weren't produced enough and there was a huge demand for some type of lightweight shooting bag but it wasn't being filled so we looked at what was out there uh, we kind of picked it apart as far as well we didn't like this we do like this so what we came up with was what we call a running gun bag which is you know, this little guy right here, which is just an all-around rectangular style shooting bag. Uh, so it's a conventional rear bag. You have a, you know, you have your your low position, your mid position, and then, you know, your high position, which is pretty standard, nothing magical there, but it's a super lightweight fill. So this, this whole bag weighs, I think it's 6.4 ounces, um, yep. very lightweight. Uh, we added a tether. So with this tether, you can attach a uh, flush cup swivel or a hook or whatever you like, uh, and you can put it on the back of your rifle or on the, the back of your rifle sling so you can pick your rifle up and go, and the bag is so lightweight you don't even realize you have it, so mm. it makes sure the bag goes with you wherever you go. Um, some guys even tethered them off the front of the rifle. It just gives you options. Yeah. And then we added this strap here because a lot of the guys – uh, we're shooting from barricades uh, or off of a, a crook in a tree or a rock yep. where they bag and they would have to like tie strings or use, you know, whatever to get it over the rifle to position it. So we decided just to put a, a, an adjustable mm-hmm. strap on there with a, a quick release buckle so you can put it over the rifle. So in this case, 
need to have your rifle like so. Let's see if I can do this all at once. Without dropping my rifle. Yep. Okay. Okay, so basically, you're snapped over like so. Mm -hmm. On the bottom side, there's a rubberized pad for extra grip. And then you can basically mash your rifle into whatever you've got on yep. that bat. And getting more support, you get a lower position than a bipod, and it'll it'll go into an irregular thing like a rock or something that might not allow mm -hmm. you to put a bipod onto it. Much more stable than just resting the rifle onto that. And then when you want it off, you just squeeze the Pop little buckle. Off. Yep. And talk back on the ground and take a, a, a shot prone if you like. Um, but they're they're a nice bag. Uh, we've had a lot of great success with them. Uh, they're a very rugged bag. Mm. Uh, there's a thousand denier cordura that they're all made out of. They're made uh, in the USA. Uh, and one thing that's unique about these, they're a double wall construction. Okay. So it's a inside of a bag. Um, the fill is similar, like a beanbag chair would be, like was popular in the 1970s, 80s. But the one thing everybody remembers about a beanbag is eventually there was a hole and the little white thing shot all over the room. <laughs> so with this, with the double bag, there's no concern of that. Um, we know that the lightweight fill with all the bags, no matter what, will break down. It crushes and becomes smaller. So one of the other emphases of our bag was we started with more fill. Mm. Uh, the idea was a lot of the bags that were popular would become flat like a pancake after six or eight months of use. Yep. Meaning guys at that point, they couldn't use them as they were. They would rip them open and try to stuff other things in just to get it to work again. So to me, that meant the product was dying within a year. That wasn't acceptable. So we actually put over the amount of fill into our bags with the intention that when you receive them, you want to beat up on them a bit. And we have our video showing me mm -hmm. doing a couple of knee drops and punching it. So this bag is new and you can see it's pretty full. Ideally, you want to be able to have where you can fold the bag almost in half with about an inch or so. So you can just bend back and forth and that would be what you would call broken in. At right. that point, you have, a, you can get down to a very low position. You can pinch it and get down to say a half an inch or three quarters of an inch for a very low. And then you have the full capacity of all the height. Um, but our deal with our deal with coming in with more fill to begin with means that it'll break in like a pair of boots or, you know, something like that, you know, that has to work its way in, mm -hmm. but it lasts a much longer time in the long run. So you have a piece of gear that doesn't go go flat on you within six months it's good for a longer stretch mm. so essentially yeah like you say you're breaking yours in with the other ones by the time they're breaking down they're actually breaking out or getting to the point where they're not going to work like you want whereas correct. you're setting it up in advance to get to that point correct most every bag on the market well i i can't say that yeah. i know any uh, that are using the same fill and we all use the same fill for a lightweight bag mm. They're all coming with what would be considered, okay, it's great right now. But mm. again, months down the road, you may find yourself opening some of those up. Mm. I'm not saying perfect. You know, there's not one bag that does everything, but we tried to make one thing that kind of kind of does it all within a lightweight package. And for that, it's been a rather popular item uh, based on its ruggedness, its lightweight, you know, pretty much does everything. You get it soaking wet, you just let it dry out. It's all fine. So... Well, I mean, even just having that tether on the back for me is, yeah, I leave it with the uh, flush cup, I leave it connected to the back of the rifle, it means I don't 
if I'm in a rush heading to the range, I know I plunk it down on the range and my rear bag's there. And, you know, you pick it up at a, at a field shoot at a stage. I do know guys somehow, but I, I can see it. I can see how it happened. They pick everything up, move on to the next stage and realise they've left their rear bag behind them. You know, it's still sitting back at the last stage. Or they think it's at the back stage. It's somewhere, but it, it's basically gone. Yep. Um, and yeah, again, that that and that that clip over top, like you say, the amount of times that just put that over top, and then you don't have to worry about sort of getting into the barricade and picking up these bags and stuffing them in all over the place. It's just that little bit quicker, one less thing to have to worry about. Yeah, mm. um, yeah, that, that's one of the other reasons why we came up with the. This is the second bag that we came up with, which is yep. basically uh, we call it the lightweight, which is more for just a rear bag or for hunters uh, and this one's 4.5 ounces even even lighter and it has the same uh, same tether so mm -hmm. you can attach it to whatever your gear um, but we sell a lot of these especially to hunters uh, so they can carry a lightweight shooting bag all day and you know they don't even realize it they'll keep it on the rifle with the rifle slung over and just run around all day like that yeah so Yep, and it, it's that sort of thing for you know the the whole idea again with the the PRS style of shooting being sort of in its infancy down here. You don't see a lot of the guys with all the you don't see any. I've got one of the pump pillows as well and some of the bigger bags. So you don't really see any of those down here. In fact, they're still. I drag that out. People look at me sideways, wondering what's going on. Then you kind of set it up, and they go, "Oh, okay." So most guys are still. That's your rear bag. Get it. Sorry, what was that? I bet if you're shooting from a ridge line, they very much appreciate it. Yeah. Because if downward shots, typically a lot of the time you have your bipod as low as it goes, and you have a lot of bag in the back. Some guys might even be putting their backpack in the back just for elevation, whereas a pump pillow is is wonderful for that. You just stuff it in the back, and away you go. Mm. We use we use that one a lot. I would say in our sport, it that pillow is is one of the most popular. Yeah. It does something that the other bags don't do. Mm. So. So have you got, uh, are you continuing to sort of look at new products, keep on developing products? Yeah. No, we're working on uh, some new products. We never want to reveal anything till it's out type of thing, but we yeah. have some new episodes on some things. Uh, this next year, we're planning on uh, doing some expansion and growth. Um, it'll take a little bit of time. We never want to release something that we're not 100% off of uh, before, but we definitely have some plans on some new products coming out this year. Um or this upcoming year, mm. and uh, very excited about that. Uh, we've been picking up some some really cool new brands within our industry as well uh, that are growing in the sport uh, to sell um, on our site. You know, mm. we, we just picked up a company out of uh, out of Austria, Bix and Andy. Uh, yep. They're a very very high end trigger company. Uh, not an inexpensive trigger, but for guys who are very big in the sport who want that you know the best break humanly possible, it's it's like magic mm. but again it just you know these are smaller companies who are not as well known who the people who know know they're you know great but we try to bring in a lot of these things that the shooters would you know use within our sport or within the precision rifle shooting in general yeah so. yeah I, I think that's been one of the cool things is seeing all these smaller you can call them boutique or cottage or whatever you want the these smaller companies that are kind of 
focusing in on specific problems and going right we're going to create a solution to that and because they're smaller they can just create that product get it out to market there's not the big behemoth of of taking years for a new product and everything to come through and you've got your own products you're bringing other products in as well um I, I don't know. It's, uh, the the PRS is just growing and growing and growing. You think it's, like you said, it's starting to go international? Um, yeah. Uh, as I said, they're starting to work internationally. Uh, yeah. Canadians just had a, a, a big match. turned out really well. Uh, yeah. South Africans did a match as well. Um, you know, I know that there's definitely been interest from, you know, your guys' side. Uh, yeah. You know, I know you're a lot more permissive than uh, your neighbors to the to Australia. Yeah, they're a little bit funnier with the yeah, funnier about the firearms. But we'd love to be able to see all those guys be able to have it. I know we have some shooters in Australia who also uh, mm. like products. So, you know, it's a fun sport. I don't see why it would be prohibited anywhere that you can own a rifle. But yeah. Oh, I think the key is it's just showing and get, I, a lot of the time it's just people not quite understanding the amount of um, safety protocol and the, the fact that you've got other people directly behind you looking down over your shoulder making sure that you're being safe at all times, you know, and you get somebody to come out to a range and, and realise and understand what a, a range officer does and, and those guys and they start realising, oh, okay, this is actually a lot more controlled than it might appear with a group of guys running around with guns yeah actually in my opinion shooting at a rifle match whether it's a local club match or a uh, precision rifle series match even though they're all very high powered rifles of course hmm. i feel it is a lot safer there than at a public shooting range even with range officers uh, i've taken the i have the certification with the the you know the u.s uh, the nra uh, to be a range safety officer so I can, you know, be present at a, at a, at a official place. But just the rules and regulations that we abide by within club shoots and PRS shoots supersede even that where we're not allowed to even load anything into the gun until the guy next to you, who's the official says, you may now load your rifle. Mm. Yeah. They don't even, uh, again, every person there at the match in the brief in the beginning, uh, one of the things we go over is, hey, we're all friends here, but at the same time, we all want to be safe. And every person here is a range safety officer, every shooter, every person. So even if the one range safety officer didn't see one thing, if you see it, you politely bring it up to your friend. Hey, uh, can you drop that magazine or can you do whatever? And it's it's so supportive and you know it's, it's made extra safe from that. Mm. It was a discussion we had actually recently. It was about yeah the the fact that anybody can yell stop at any point in time, and everyone just stops, even if you don't, if you've got no idea what it is, you stop and then fix whatever the problem is. If it's not a problem, then we we apologise and we go back and we can redo stuff. But yeah, it's always safety first, which is it has to be, you know. Has to be well, you know. Again, I've I've had safety briefs anywhere from you know a sixty second safety brief to over ten minute safety mm. brief. Uh, you know, the longer ones from the people who've been around rifles more. Uh, one of the rifle trainers here famous in the U.S., again, Jacob Bynum with Rifles Only. His his safety speech is infamous, uh, but well-founded. He deals with military and, and from all over the world who train with him. He's got, I believe, Australian uh, Special Forces have come and trained with him as well. So uh, he knows all about what happens with the power of a rifle, so he wants to make sure everybody's as safe as humanly possible. Yeah. Which is He's a good guy. Yeah. Awesome. All right, man. Well, yeah, I think that's we've 
we've covered off all your products and a little bit just hopefully for the guys understanding just a little bit more about the company and and generally about the the prs which is certainly it seems to be the the hotbed for new sort of positional and field shooting techniques and equipment at the moment you know um and it, it's that case competition often breeds the innovation as we kind of go right how can we kind of gain this and how can we do things quicker and faster and better um and it's awesome so i mean thanks thanks for your time rich is there anything else you kind of want to cover off about what's going on over there or your your company while we've got you on the line um you know just look out for what we're doing in the future uh, in this upcoming year we're, we'll have some new products coming out again mm. i can't reveal any <laughs> secrets quite yet but you know keep in touch any official dealers uh, of course we'll we'll get first word on you know what a what our evolving uh, uh goodies are but uh, we're looking forward to the next year we're having a lot of fun in the sport mm. uh we're looking forward to our season finale for the professional series here coming up uh, at the end of this upcoming january um you know, it's it's just been so rewarding uh, dealing with everybody from the hunters to the law enforcement to the military to all the regular civilian shooters in between. You know, everybody's got a smile on their face. Everybody's having fun. So that it's it's as rewarding as it gets. It really is. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, mate. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers. Here. Thanks for listening to the Trigonometry Podcast. Please make sure you visit our site at precisionshooter.info where you'll find show notes, additional links, and a pile of extra information, including competitions and updates on events near you. While you're there, pop over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, where you'll see regular updates on the goings-on in the precision shooting community in New Zealand. The way that this show grows is through people like you, so please, share on Facebook, and if you know someone who's into shooting and may be interested in checking this out, flick them over a link and if you're listening to this through a podcast aggregator or some form of app make sure you leave us a review it really makes a difference thanks again to the gear locker and all our additional supporters and most importantly thank you the listener without you guys none of this could happen talk soon but for now go have a shoot